you're awake. Hi, I'm Kitty M, the All Geek, your guide through the land of Pod, one of the geekiest places I know. This week, I'm going to tell you why Decepticons are probably not the bad guys, and why lizard men are probably not invading Earth to take all our resources. Also, why Superman is kind of like John Carter from Mars. Come on, Player Two, let's get to the tavern so we can talk about Doctor Who and release dates and action figures, not dolls, action figures. Come on, Player Two, let's roll. Player Two, why are you running late? Were you busy watching Guardians of the Galaxy, the second one? Did they save the universe again? I'm kind of invested in the universe. It's where all my stuff is. You did see it. You didn't see it. Sometimes you give me mixed messages. It's like you're more than one person. But either way, this year is only just starting with the awesome releases. We have Wonder Woman on the 1st of June, Thor on the 3rd of November, and then Justice League on the 17th of November. Can things get any better? Actually, in 2018, it turns out they can because a whole lot of dates for films we have been waiting for have been released. We've got New Mutants on April 13, Deadpool 2 on June 1st, Dark Phoenix on November 2, and don't forget, we'll have Aquaman on the 14th of December. I mean, no, I didn't forget that Alien Covenant is out in May, May 11 for Australian audiences. I just left it to the end because they dropped a huge bomb of a spoiler, but then if it's in a trailer, is it a spoiler? Are we over spoilers? Do we use the term spoiler too much to just be explaining the plot? If you explain the plot, that's not that's not a spoiler. I don't know if we use the term spoiler too much, but now I've said it too much and it feels like one of those weird words that when you say it too much, it loses all meaning. The important thing is some of the aliens still look like cisgender lady parts and that Fassbender is still in the Alien franchise, and that's important to me as a person. Don't worry, we're probably not going to date. I'm more likely to hitch a ride with the Doctor than date Michael Fassbender. I mean, if he asked me, I, I would say yes to a date, if you're listening, Michael. You know what's as cool as a date with Michael Fassbender? The people got to go to the March for Science, and Peter Capaldi just, like, showed up was all in support of science. It'd be weird if he wasn't in support of science. He has been a better doctor than most of us deserve because quite frankly, we're not that great as people. And rumor has it, we're still gonna keep getting what we don't deserve because the new doctor might be a lady. And not just any lady. Michaela Cole is rumored to be the next doctor. And she is hilarious. You'd have seen her in Chewing Gum. Remember, I told you to watch that Netflix show, Chewing Gum? She is unafraid of being funny. You know how some people hold back? You can tell they're trying to be cool and funny at the same time. She's not like that at all. She's the kind of person who can play characters who launch themselves into situations. I like that and I like it for the Doctor. I have a few friends who think that Sean Pertwee would make a great Doctor and let's face it, he's got the pedigree. And they're not wrong. But I'd actually love to see him as a companion. I'd love to see a young, impulsive but clever Doctor with an older, more Giles-like companion. That switching of roles would be invigorating. It might be something new for a franchise that isn't running out of ideas, but do with a few new ones. Ooh, speaking of new things, have you seen the new uh, collectibles for DC Bombshells? They have abs. Or articulation that makes them look like they have abs. They're not figurines or dolls. They're action figures. Proper ones that you can move and then fight with. <laughs> Take that, Godzilla. And Batgirl has an actual bat. So she looks like a goth version of the League of Their Own. 
Speaking of ladies with abs, we've got somewhere to be, player two. Come on, let's go. Player two, this is Mars. Don't ask why we can breathe the atmosphere and you're super strong. I don't, I don't know why it works like that. It doesn't seem to work like that every time we send a rover here, but whatever. We're here because of John Carter of Mars, a good movie not featured enough in lists of sci-fi films that you should see. It's along with Equilibrium and Cloud Atlas that seem to have slipped under everyone's radar for some good watching. Like, get in on that. If you haven't seen it, it's the story of a Confederate soldier who finds himself transported to Mars and embroiled in a civil war. Ironic, right? The Martians have technology beyond our ken, and he's a caveman by comparison. But because of gravity something something, Carter is able to leap tall sand dunes with a single bound. It's actually been said that the original character of John Carter is one of the influences for Superman as we know him today. We don't think about it now, but every superhero has to be created. The rules around their strengths have to be decided, and when Schuster and Siegel were creating Superman, apparently John Carter was an influence. You know, Superman's first incarnation was as a vagrant who took some drugs and got mad psychic powers. He was also a bad guy. Back to John Carter. The other cool thing about the movie is that it wasn't based on John Carter of Mars. The movie was based on a book called A Princess of Mars, and there's a DVD movie actually called Princess of Mars as well. These were original stories written by Edgar Rice Burroughs, the same person who wrote Tarzan of the Apes. And even more interesting is when these books were being written. I mean, I mean, by this time, yeah, Jules Verne and H.G. Wells' work was already out there, but it hadn't been out there that long. And when Burroughs gets his Barsoom stories, which are all the stories about Mars, published, it's the early 1900s. It's around this same time that H.P. Lovecraft, the creator of Cthulhu, and an entire pantheon of elder gods is writing his horror stories. Lovecraft, by the way, is one of my favourite authors, but he is horribly racist, and, and I don't just mean the way old people are sometimes racist at dinner at Christmas, I mean like super duper racist. So I'm not saying you have to go and read these books, any of these books, though I honestly think you should. We sometimes forget that some of these ideas we think we're so very clever with, and isn't everything unique now, actually come from stories that have been around for a while. Just be aware that anything you're reading from the past is less likely to be cool with diversity and kind of racist and sexist and terrible. And if Lovecraft is a bit too dense, and it is dense, he did wanted to be a scientist, couldn't make the grades, so ended up writing stories like he was writing a science journal, audiobooks are a good way to let his stories sink into your brain. Just be aware of some of the terrible things he wrote that weren't about giant devouring beasts from beyond the stars. Though sometimes older stories can surprise you. You pick up something like Frankenstein by Mary Shelley and end up reading about a vegetarian abomination, so swing some merry-go-rounds. Why am I telling you all this? Comixology has just had a sale on the John Carter Warlord of Mars comics. Comixology is a place to get the web version of comics, a good place to pick up a first issue if you can't get to the store and don't have a lot of money but still want to see what's inside. And while the sale was on John Carter stuff, it also incorporated a lot of Dejah Thoris issues. And I have a few issues with Dejah Thoris. Dejah Thoris is the Princess of Mars and the lady in John Carter's life. She doesn't wear many clothes, because of course she doesn't, and it's canon, and the enduring legacy of space boobs being a thing in all sci-fi forever and ever. 
If you enjoy the leg cling trope where some woman wearing nothing much but jewellery clings to the human-shaped version of a condom full of walnuts, then you'll dig a lot of the covers in these comics. But read the blurbs and you find a slightly different narrative. A strong princess who can save herself type lady. And luckily, writers have felt the need to prove that again and again through multiple characters of all different races wanting to rape or terribly disfigure Dejah Thoris. Because she's so pretty and powerful. Thanks, comics. On the flip side, these storylines show that the character of Dejah Thoris is pretty badass. She apparently takes many partners for a host of reasons. She's a skilled warrior, and she's pretty comfortable in her own skin, which she'd have to be, because she's naked, like all the time. It's meant to be because of Mars customs, everyone's naked all the time except for some elaborate jewellery, but I don't see how a G-string is ever that comfortable that you'd wear it while in battle. This is changing though. Back in 2015, Diamond Entertainment announced that they were changing up the costumes for a few of their warrior women, and yes, we can thank Gail Simone and Nicola Scott for what happened next. Dejah Thoris has been redesigned. Nicola Scott, by the way, is one of the most loved artists I've seen out there. She's apparently lovely to talk to, and all my Wonder Woman fan friends love her. You can see why her art is good stuff. She accentuates the warrior parts of a character, and they can still look sexy. It's just some people have a problem because there's not as much boobage. But boobs aren't usually warrior parts. I don't know who told people they were, but they're not. Those people were lying if they told you the warrior parts were the boobs. It wasn't the boobs. I'm not saying they can't be, but generally no one uses their boobs to hold an axe. But if they do, then that's a skill set we can only hope to conquer as we evolve as a species. Dejah Thoris, though, is a warrior, even with the ING string and barely covered nipples, which makes up her entire outfit for most of the time we've seen her in comics. Why are her nipples covered? That makes no sense. Why is it always, if the nipples are covered, then we suddenly can't see someone's boobs? That's not how seeing things works. If I hide my pinky finger, you can still say you saw my hand. So while the cover artwork may not sound like my kind of thing, and maybe the artwork inside won't be my kind of thing, Dejah Thoris sounds like my kind of lady. The lady gets things done. And in a G-string. And loves to go a bit snickety-snick on the bad guys. So I'm going to pick up a few issues and see if it can surprise me. I hope it does. Maybe you'll do that too, Player 2, and if you do, let me know what you think. Come on, let's get off this red rock and go look at some lizards. What, you thought we were going to go somewhere with snakes? I know I told you that, but there's probably some snakes along this trail. How do you think we're going to get back to the tavern? We have to walk. Not everywhere can be a special place. Let's just walk and talk. As a commemoration of Pence coming to Australia, and as the March for Science was happening all around the world, I thought it would be a good idea to combine the two topics to talk about all the times lizard people, or variations on the themes of lizard people, tried to take over Earth because of our juicy resources. Now, these lizard guys that we're talking about aren't like the ones in World of Warcraft or Warhammer or Warhammer 40k who are all like, whatevs, yeah, I have a snake face, come at me, brosif. These are lizard people, or variations of, that hide the fact that they're a little bit lizardy because people won't always buy things from lizards. It's probably a biblical thing. 
or some kind of cultural consciousness as supposed by Jung, and it turns out we all have this ancient memory of dinosaurs hunting us, and now we're all super freaked out about lizards. Anyway, there's some really good movies that prove this point. Like, they live not technically lizard people, but they could have been. This is an older film, and it's all about capitalism. And if capitalism was a thing that aliens took advantage of to control us all. But what if the only way to see the aliens was from wearing sunglasses? Which is a bit ironic if you think about it. I mean, the seminal of all of these is really V, which is all about if what if aliens looked like people but weren't really people but were lizards who eat small furry animals. I know, what monsters? Eating small furry animals. Why don't they eat big furry animals like the rest of us? Crazy. And of course, then there was Stargate, which was what if there were worms in humans' bodies and it wasn't Animorphs and it was different from Animorphs because the humans fighting them can't turn into awesome creatures like hawks and lions and also they're not teenagers, but one of them used to be MacGyver. There are countless examples of where we have this sort of thing happening in sci-fi. Tell me more about them, Player 2, but not right now. In crazy times like this, it may not seem so far-fetched to suppose that aliens will, or already are, walking among us trying to find ways to get our juicy resources. And I'm usually the first one to say, yes, this is exactly right, and we're all doomed. I mean, we're all still completely doomed. We're totally boned. Entirely fruit roll-up jammed in the padlock ruined. There is a slight chance we can come back from this, but I'm telling you right now, last week I saw a kid walking around with a helmet on. They didn't have a bike or anything, just a helmet on. And all I could think was, that kid knows what's up. Life's about to get real, real fast, and that kid is prepared. I'm nowhere near as prepared as that kid. Because as things stand now, we have two possibilities when it comes to alien invasions. One, aliens figure the best way to destroy humanity is to just make the planet uninhabitable, the way they did in Independence Day. But in which case, they just need to do zero of the things, because humanity has been making everything uninhabitable since forever. Don't believe me? Look at history. Or take public transport. The perfect example of how, as a species, our ingenuity and intellect can combine to create a beautiful system of moving parts that speed large groups of people to areas they need to be. But because it's people, it ends up like the equivalent of a squashed human sandwich where everyone stares at their phones as a way of biting down on the overwhelming urge to scream nonsensically at one another, because why can I hear your nose whistling? Why? Humanity can ruin everything. We ruined unicorns and coffee by combining them. How did we do that? So the aliens don't even need to infiltrate higher government positions or become CEOs of multinational corporations. They don't need to do any of the grunt work because we'll do it all. Literally all of history has been us making everything worse all of the time for ourselves and other humans and everything else. They just have to sit back, sip on their hobbit brain slurpees, and occasionally file a report with their higher-ups saying how good they're doing. The alternative is that we already have no juicy resources. I mean, maybe there was a time when aliens came to this planet and thought, yes, we'll infiltrate, take over, and get their resources. But what if that happened, and then after a few decades, they suddenly realized that in the time it would take to invade Earth, we would have already devoured whatever it is they wanted. Or we would have blown it up to spite them. And we would. Don't think we wouldn't. 
I mean, if Decepticons came here now, they'd probably find that, yes, the Energon used to be a thing, but we discovered it and we found if you feed it to small marsupials from Russia, then milk said marsupial, you can create a paste that slightly reduces the seven signs of aging. So sorry, Megatron, all of that's gone now. We put it on rich people faces. And while we're on the subject, let's for a moment consider the fact that the Decepticons and their cause is not so far from where we are, and maybe they weren't entirely the bad guys. They were simply taking a resource from a planet that didn't need it to ensure the survival of their own planet that had run out of resources. The only reason we think of them as bad guys is because they fall conveniently into the trope that exists within alien invasion stories where we band together against those who are different and in need with a stronger, definitely good because they sided with us force. And the Autobots have exactly the same design on finding a viable resource that will continue to power them. Don't be fooled. It's the Decepticons who find and develop the Energon, like the decent scientists they are. It's the Autobots who want to take it, who drag humanity into the war by tapping on our innate mistrust of something that is different and our special need for a strong ally to come save us. We didn't even know that the Decepticons were here until the Autobots started something with them. And yes, Energon has been said to be made of petrochemicals, but would it be that terrible if we run out of those? We just have to get to making an alternative form of energy, which we can use the way we need to, because guess what? Back to the Transformers debate, though. Yes, Decepticons in general take the form of guns and other aggressive-looking vehicles and machines, and that's been used over and over again as an argument for them definitely being the bad guys, because they look like the bad guys. But these are the forces who've been sent into hostile territory, knowing full well the scope of the Autobots' manipulative capabilities. Why wouldn't they come prepared to transform into the very things that can protect them? The Autobots, instead, are the ones who turn into V-dubs that have guns? So who is really doing the deceiving? The robot that turns into a gun, or the one who pretends to be a robot without a gun? My point being, humanity, through its utter recklessness, is probably holding off an alien invasion, but only in the same way as ruining your favourite sneakers means people are less likely to want to steal them. And if we continue down this path of scuffing our sneakers, or to put it another way, completely ruining the only planet that will put up with our crap for now, we might be the Decepticons, travelling the universe, just trying to survive. Or, you know, we could stop being jerks to the planet. <laughs> I know. I always like to end these discussions with a joke. Oh look, we're at the tavern. Back in the tavern, player two. It's actually Anzac Day here soon in Australia, maybe even as you're listening to this now. Which for Americans, I guess it's like Memorial Day? It's to mark the anniversary of Australian and New Zealand forces and their first major military action in World War I. It's a huge day in Australia, and we use the day to commemorate all of our soldiers in all the conflicts, and my family has a bit of a military history, so it's always been a very important day to me. I couldn't find any Australian comic book characters around this time that dealt with war. We mainly just had American stuff. But if you know of any, please let me know on Twitter or Facebook. My favourite guy, though, when it comes to comics of this fashion is Jack Kirby the creator of Captain America. I've talked about him before. See, my grandfather and his brothers and sisters all fought in World War II. The stories are pretty horrific. One even had a run-in with the SS. And Jack Kirby, 
also fought the Nazis. I'm going to leave you the Marvel profile of Kirby in the description. I hope you learned something new about him. He was a very cool guy and, and they used his artistic skills in some very interesting ways when he was fighting in the war. You can find me on Twitter at ChaosKittyM, on Facebook, KittyM, and The Land of Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Please remember to rate this podcast and maybe share it around. The external validation gives my life meaning and means I'll probably keep doing this. Also, if you get the chance, I recommend picking up Second Sons if you're already not into it, and The Old Guard. Some good comics out there. And, you know, you can always let me know what you're reading or watching or loving right now. Until next time, Player 2.